0: All right, guys, welcome to uh, Zupi, the Autotelic podcast. Uh, I'm here with Julia Greenshield from Sarnia, Ontario, Rugby Sevens for the National Women's Team, Future Olympian. Uh, Julia, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on board here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, I'm kind of a broken record when I say this, but I know with especially Olympian athletes, to find some time out of your your day and your schedule. Um, I know it's very tough so I really appreciate you coming, uh, coming on board here.
1: Absolutely. I got lots of time these days so.
0: There we go. That's I good. appreciate. It. So before we kind of dive into things, um, how I kind of came in contact with Julia for the viewers kind of listening here is uh, we have a, a mutual friend uh, from Sarnia so mm-hmm. I always say, you know, being a hockey player, I say like the hockey world is small, but you can even go bigger than that to the sports world and how kind of people connect you. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to uh, Mackenzie and Derek Knapp uh, for giving us the introduction. And that's why we're here today. So big shout out to uh, them out in London in the Sarnia area.
1: Absolutely.
0: So let's just dive right in uh, to this. I'm excited to be here with regards to... Uh, I want to learn more about rugby um, especially from a female's perspective as well as you know your journey uh, to where you are now. So kind of give us some insights on how you kind of started your journey uh, into the rugby.
1: Yeah so I started playing rugby in high school and at that point I I didn't even know what rugby was. Um, I didn't play a lot of sports growing up but When I was around 13, 14, I got involved in basketball because my friends were doing it, and a little bit of volleyball in high school. And I believe I was in grade nine, and uh, one of my friend's older siblings mentioned um, a a trip to North Carolina, a school trip, and for whatever reason, you know, 15-year-old Julia thought, There were amazing things happening in North Carolina. So I was like, oh, I want to go on this school trip. And she said, well, you have to play rugby. It's a rugby trip. And I was like, what's rugby? Sign me up. And if I hate it, at least I can say I got to go to North Carolina. And um, so I signed up. I borrowed my teammates' cleats or my friends' cleats and everything. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I signed up for. But um, there's nothing in North Carolina, I can tell you that. But it's kind of where my love of rugby uh, started. So I I played horribly. I (laughs) tackled people without the ball. I high tackled. I played horribly, but I really enjoyed it. And I really loved the team atmosphere. And there was something really fun about getting on a bus with all my teammates and classmates and driving down there. And I, I just found we were like... It was just a different culture than any other sport I had played. And I really enjoyed that as well. So that's where it all began. And then, of course, I tried playing for Sarnia, uh, the Sarnia Saints team in Ontario as well.
0: Now, that's funny because it's in grade grade nine. That's quite a big, uh, quite a big trip to go down uh, to California there. Um, So in Sarnia, would you consider, is rugby considered a bigger sport or it's just, you know, another school sport that people play?
1: Well, I just, I don't think rugby, when I first started, so gosh, that was 13 years ago when I started, rugby wasn't big at all. And and that's kind of why it started in high school. And that's, I think, why part of my success is that I didn't play other sports. And it wasn't like I fell in love with hockey at 15 years old. If I were, you know, trying to pursue hockey at 15 with no experience, I would struggle on ice because everyone had been playing for many, many years, whereas rugby was new to everyone. So I was on the same level of like, if I at least tried or had any sort of athleticism, I would, I would be able to progress and learn just like everybody else. I wasn't jumping into something, um, you know, that's like a national sport, like hockey is so big and same with soccer, um, and gymnastics. It wasn't hard for me to get into it. I don't think rugby was very big in Sarnia. I think that it's growing now.
0: So, yeah, well, even like even in Canada, I think over the last couple of years, Canada, or rugby has really grown uh, quite a bit, especially after um, joining the Olympics as well. Yeah, right? absolutely. <clears throat> so, joining uh, rugby. So, what did your parents <laughs> have to say, that, uh, you know, once you joined the team and like kind of coming back after that trip?
1: Well, it's funny because rugby. I've traveled a lot for rugby rugby's uh, been the reason I get to travel the world so much. But when I, I think when I signed up for rugby, I think my parents were like, maybe this is a phase. I don't think they'll ever admit that. I think that they were just like, we'll sign the permission slip. We'll pay the fee and like, she'll come back and say she didn't like it or whatever. And I, I think like they always kind of flinch on the sidelines when I go into contact or get hurt or whatever. But at the same time, you know, when I come off the field, my mom's helping me bandage up my wounds, clean them out, and my dad's always saying, like, good game or, like, it, you know, trying to inspire me or lift me up and all that. So, they're my biggest supporters, and um, even if they're flinching on the sideline.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you so you moved, you moved, made your way through um, uh, high school and, obviously, you became more competitive uh, outside of school. So, before we kind of dive a little bit deeper into this, I just want you to explain um, to myself and all obviously to the viewers out there, just the process of how the rugby international team makes it to the um, Olympics through qualifications, <clears throat> because I know every sport's so different, right? You have every qualification process is different for every sport, whether it's rugby, soccer, swimming, whatever it may be. So kind of for the viewers and a little bit of education for us here, what's the process that, that you have to go through as a team to qualify for the Olympics?
1: Yeah, so... Throughout the season, we have tournaments. Gosh, I think we have like eight tournaments. And depending on how we um, how we perform in those tournaments, if you're top four, I believe if you're top four by the end of the season, you qualify for the Olympics. So last season, we maintained top four. We actually came third overall. Um, how it works if we did not maintain top four, I'm not sure. I believe there are smaller other tournaments that you would have to win. Um, but top four get to go because I do know that they pick from different regions all over the world for most sports, I believe. But we maintain top four. So we have tournaments in Glendale, Colorado, Dubai. Um, now we have Cape Town, uh, South, Af- South Africa. We have Australia, New Zealand, France, Lankford, Canada, um, Hong Kong. Like all of those tournaments are opportunities opportunities for us to perform and maintain top four. And just before COVID, we actually were tied for second overall. So we were feeling really good leading up to these Olympic Games that are unfortunately postponed. But um, last year, 2019, we finished top four. So qualified.
0: So um, how long is the season?
1: Um, we The Games, last season, the Games began October and went all the way to June.
0: Okay. So... For the Olympics, a four-year qualification process. So you say you have to be top four for one season, or for throughout the whole year, you have to remain top four.
1: I think by the end of the season, by the end of the season leading up before the Olympics, you have to maintain top four. Um I don't believe you have to be top four the the two years before, the three years before. Okay. But that being said, if you're if you're top. Four, you're generally staying top four it takes it's a harder job to be you know sitting in 10th 11th 12th to kind of make that jump especially when it comes to yeah momentum and funding and um, training and and what you have access to as a team in whatever country you're from and we're very fortunate we're so (laughs) lucky
0: So, oh, that's, so that, that's kind of cool you bring that up because um, with the Olympian athlete, like funding is so important. So uh, how about, do you guys go about getting funding, sponsorships, how does that all work?
1: Well, I think, uh, uh, don't quote me on this, but like uh, we have a facility that's available for all of the national rugby players. So the men's, women's, 15s, um, as well as like the youth coming up. So uh, the, the mayor in Langford really wanted us to be centralized here. And was really supportive of us having um, our own facility and a field for us to train on. Um, how the funding com- comes about for that, I think, is quite. A f- there's quite a, f- uh, a few sources that comes from, yeah, yeah. but also there's programs like B210, Own the Podium. I very fortunately am uh, received a Can Fund. Um, 150 women were were supported with uh, a good chunk of money to help us offset the costs of training and living in Victoria, a uh, beautiful place to live, but an expensive place to live. And um, I believe the better you perform, the more funding you get, yeah. Yeah. which I think can confuse people because sometimes the people who need who need the funding, the teams who need the funding, are not performing. Because they don't have the funding and then it's kind of a cycle so we're super lucky
0: yeah that's um, um that's a big point I even you know with my sister being in judo it's, you know the same thing like though how much how important those tournaments are like you said even though if you're in you know first second third position you got to maintain and that's where yeah. I think the pressure kind of comes in totally um, but yeah I think that's huge for <clears throat> Olympian athletes and um, just for those who are listing, like um, you know they appreciate all the support um, you guys can get, and every little bit helps. Whether you know it's from a sponsorship or um, some sort of GoFundMe page, whatever it may be, uh, I know you guys appreciate that stuff, and I appreciate or I hope people can you know support you the best way they can. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of so now I kind of got a gist of how you guys qualify. So um, what I what I didn't mention is that like you said, you're in you're in Langley, B.C. You said Langford. Langford, sorry. So yeah, Julie's out in Langford, Sarnia. Um, so kind of give me, um, a day in a life, um, through a training, through, you know, your training, rehab, physio and all that stuff. What's a day in a life or a week look for, um, a rugby player?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, pre COVID we were all able to get together all 20 something women plus, you know, coaches, staff, physios, um, at our facility and uh, like a typical Monday we would be in the gym at 9am. And it would be your individual responsibility to roll out and, you know, work on any tight muscles. Um, you can book appointments at that time to see a physiotherapist if you need something worked on, get taped up, whatever you have to get taped up. (laughs) Yeah. You're always taped somewhere. There's something, there's always something wrong. Um, or, you know, meet with a coach. So you kind of have that amount of time to just get into the facility and I always like to make my rounds and say hey to everyone and how how are you doing what's up what's new and talk to teammates about what we're going to work on um that day and then you're on the field I believe I believe we got on the field at 9 45 and at that point we're on the field we're doing some sort of sprint session so we could be sprinting hills we could be running with weighted sleds behind us We could be um, chasing each other, uh, working on any any sort of technique, whether it be top speed or Excel. Um, And that's about 45 minutes to an hour long. And then we get right into a a skill session. So we're on field, we stay there. Um, A lot of us bring out snacks and whatever, if we need to grab a quick bite before getting into the skill session. And the skill sessions are usually about an hour to an hour and a half. And that could be working on kicking, passing, uh, working on plays, tackling, anything. Um, And then we have a team lunch together at our facility. We're very, very lucky that we have a chef um, to... Gosh, we're so spoiled. The more I talk about my life, I realize how uh, I'm very, very privileged. So we have a team lunch together and we can catch up on anything with each other, whether it be rugby or what we did on the weekend. And then that's about an hour and a half, two hours, so that we're able to eat, recover, refuel. Uh, We're also able to make appointments with the physio at that time and um, meetings with coaches, go over any video or talk about skills, whatever it may be. And then we're in the weight room for about an hour and a half, 2 hours. Oh wow. Doing some crazy lifts and jumps and hops <laughs> and whatever we need to do. And then after that, um so we're we're finishing up the day around 3:30-ish and then we have our other appointments whether it be physio, coaches, um rolling out or meeting with teammates, whatever it may be. So we're in there a good chunk of the day. Um, that's a monday tuesday we're we're pretty much in there nine till three but we're doing all conditioning we're on the field we're playing we're trying to uh create uh seven v seven as much as we can like at a tournament in games so we do a lot of conditioning on tuesdays wednesdays is our recovery day so we go in we do mobility we have massages um physiotherapy appointments uh, we have ice tubs hot tubs and stuff so take care of ourselves in the middle of the week. And then Thursday, Friday, sometimes Saturday. Yeah.
0: It's crazy. It's funny. It's truly, truly, it's nice to hear from, from you and from these athletes, but it literally it's eat, sleep and train, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: As the expression goes. So it's nice to hear when you guys explain. So people who are looking to do this, um, they kind of, they really get a glimpse of how much or how hard they have to work to, uh, to get to that level. Um, Oh, that's crazy. Crazy. I just have a quick question for you with regards to a uh, rugby team. So it's it's sevens. But how how many girls are on a team?
1: So when we travel to a tournament, we travel with 13 or 14 girls, however, 12 dress okay. and um, like if you ever watch a game, you'll see numbers one through 12. You don't get to pick your favorite number and put it on a jersey. It's literally one through 12 every tournament. Um, so seven people are on the field at a time for two, seven minute halves, and you're allowed to make five subs. So all 12 can see the field, um, at our training facility uh, every day, there's about 20 to 23 girls. Um, so every tournament you have to make top 13, 14.
0: Wow. That just shows you how competitive, competitive it is. Yeah. Um, so um we're gonna, go, we're gonna kind of take you back a little bit through the high school stuff uh and make our way up again um with regards because we were talking you mentioned so you're moving through high school but then obviously you know you come to grade 12 um and you have to you know make that decision to go to um whether you're gonna go to school or whatnot so maybe take us through kind of that period of your time and how you transitioned and maybe what level you were playing and mm-hmm. um your mindset through you know making that decision then once you made that decision you know where were you how are you feeling and all that kind of stuff to give um kind of that transition period
1: yeah i remember being in grade 12 i actually stayed an extra year in high school i (laughs) and it was because another rugby trip where there was another rugby (laughs) school. I was such a dweeb. Like I look back and I'm like, Julia, what did you really value? But I'm happy where I am today. So no regrets. But I remember being in grade 12 graduating and thinking like, I can't wait to get as far away from Sarnia as possible. I stayed an extra year in high school. I worked a part-time job, increased my average. And of course I went on this rugby trip that I I don't know why I valued it so much, but uh, like I said, no regrets. But and then I, um, with, with conversations with my uh, rugby coach in high school, he suggested Western university because they had a great rugby program. And I'm thinking like, that's only an hour away from home. I need to get as far away, <laughs> far away as possible. But I knew like, I, I really value rugby. I valued uh, Natasha, uh, Natasha Wesch, who was our coach at university and I thought, like, well, now I gotta get into Western. Like, this, this is a whole other task. Um, but anyways, I got in, and I remember my dad dropping me off uh, a few days before, because that's when um, uh, or tryouts for sports were generally a few days before people could actually move into the res. So I moved in early. I was by myself, and I remember crying and being like, I miss home so much. I wanted to get, I wanted to go so far away. Here I am, an hour away from home, crying like a baby because I missed my family. And anyways, I I was so nervous. I tried out and like I made the team. And looking back, I'm like, why was I nervous? Like I think I think the coach wanted me there. And if I'm completely honest, I'm pretty sure I only got into Western because of rugby. Like I'm gonna be honest. Like I did not. I feel bad because I ended up dropping out. I'll get to that. But I felt I dropped out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I some other student deserved this. Anyways, but anyways, I was there for, gosh, September, October, playing rugby, and uh, one of the national coaches asked me to be a part of the developing sevens team, and we called ourselves the Maple Leafs. So the Maple Leafs had a tournament in Barbados, and I was like, absolutely, I'm going to go to Barbados and try sevens. I'd never tried sevens before, so this was new to me. Uh, Went to Barbados. It was pouring rain the entire time and for anyone who's trying to you know play sevens for the very first time rain's not the rain and mud is not what you want and I but I guess I played well enough that the coach said hey like would you like to come to Dubai it's like next month um we'd love to have you play for the Maple Leafs again and I was like absolutely so you know a month later I Flew out to Victoria, trained a little bit for a week, and then we went to Dubai. And this whole time, I'm bringing all of my textbooks, not reading anything. That's crazy. (laughs) I'm a horrible influence to anyone who's in (laughs) school trying to balance all this. I could not balance it all. It was crazy hard. And um, I don't think I performed very well in Dubai. Like, I enjoyed it, and I got a taste of what the culture and the team was like. But on the very last day in Dubai, the coach was like, would you like to move to Victoria and be a part of the team? And I was like, absolutely. So flew home. I withdrew from university because I thought like university will always be there. Um, this opportunity might not. So I was actually the last person to make the team. The girls knew well in advance that we would that they'd be moving to uh, Lankford, Victoria in January. So I was the last to know. So the, the best thing for me to do at that point was to drop out of university. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: yeah, how, What kind of conversation was that with yourself, with your parents <laughs> and maybe your coach of Western? How did that all play out?
1: I think so with myself, it was like, you got to do this, Jules. Like you have to, if you say no now, it might not. Have, it might not be there again. Mm-hmm. There was also a bit of fear of <laughs> you know, if I say no, and I try to finish this school year, I would fail and I would not be happy mm-hmm. with my marks. And I would like, for me, it was the it was the only thing to do. And with my parents, like my mom and dad, they're so happy for me and so proud. And they uh, told me to go ahead and do it. Natasha, my coach was supportive, but also I, I had a sense of hesitation from her thinking like, I don't know if you're ready for this or like, you know, it seems very sudden and like, you know, you're the last one to be asked to go and you had to make a decision like that. Whereas all the other girls on the team have had months to prepare. Like they know what they're getting into. Whereas, you you know, it's going to be a reality check for you. And she's right. It was. Um, but I, like, I think I had an idea that it would be hard and mm-hmm. it, was. it was really hard.
0: So just to, just to create a timeline here. So, this is your first year of university, so you were eighteen, nineteen, yeah. nineteen years old, um, mm-hmm. and then this team, the Maple Leafs. Um, what? Uh, what level was that? That was like na- almost like nationals.
1: Yeah, there's no age group on the developmental team. It was okay. just labeled Maple Leafs. So when we would go, it would be an invitational tournament. So. It didn't mean anything like it wasn't for world rankings. It was like it was basically to develop young athletes to make it to national, the national level. So even to this day, we still have Maple Leafs tournaments. And a lot of them happen to be younger girls um, who are trying to break through and, you know, aim for the Olympics one day.
0: So you're 19 years old. What year would this be? This would be 2000. I
1: think this was 2000. 11 2012
0: okay and you said rugby was just just got into the olympic was in the olympics 2012
1: so the reason we began centralization is that um it had been announced that the olympics would be in the 2016 olympics so we had the opportunity to centralize and prepare gotcha there was there was funding there was support in us doing that And the reason we're centralized here in Victoria is that we are able to train all year round.
0: Gotcha. So just kind of putting things into perspective, like you're 19 years old. And I know people can relate out there when they have to get into university, grade 12s, and how stressful (laughs) it is. So you've made this decision to go to Western. Yeah. On top of that, you are now being recruited. I've gone recruited Mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, the top the top team and now they're asking you to leave university. So I'm just putting that into perspective for athletes out there and the decisions that you have to come across and make as these top end athletes. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I university university be a, about, you know, writing an exam or two, let alone, you know, making a life decision sort of speak. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, like I was saying, people listening out there, like this really puts things into perspective on, the big decisions you guys have to make as athletes and to, you know, pursue your dreams and your goals, whatever sport, uh, schooling program, whatever that may be. So I just wanted to kind of, kind of paint the picture for people to really put that perspective because 19 Mm -hmm. years old (laughs) to make some of those decisions is crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, I was the youngest on the team and I didn't know where I was going to live and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And like things fell into place and I was fine, but I remember being so worried because, I, I didn't want to be this young, immature kid who joined a very serious program with these girls who were older than me, and just you know be an idiot. I was worried that they would think that I didn't belong there, I didn't deserve to be there, was too young or immature. And so now that I'm one of the old girls hmm we get young girls come in and I always want to make sure that they're okay and they're comfortable and they feel welcome and stuff because I, I know what that's like mm-hmm.
0: and as uh like the rugby um the rugby sport with regards to I know other sports you have like your veterans your rookies you know they kind of the veterans kind of put you through that you know that rookie initiation with regards to you know just being a little harder on you or you know making you yeah. earn your stripes so to speak
1: yeah. Yeah. We, no one was too hard on anyone. When we first, when I first moved out here, I remember we had a, like a rugby party and we kind of were, um, paired up with, uh, with a teammate and we called our, each other, our swim buddies. I don't even know where that came from, but I was, I was paired up with Barbara Mervin, uh, a vet. And so it was, it kind of gave the idea that we would have each other's backs and, and she very much did that. and, show me the ropes. So, and I also moved in with three other girls and we all came from, you know, Saskatchewan, Quebec and uh, the mainland in BC. So we were all very new and we kind of, we kind of figured this out on our own. There was no kind of like hazing of any kind, like no one ever felt (laughs) uncomfortable or in danger. We're all a big family. It was great.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So, um, Now, at this point, you making this team, you obviously had the, at this point, the insights or maybe the goal to maybe, you know, play in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Um, When did that maybe cross your mind? Was it when you moved there? Was it maybe just getting the opportunity to go there where you said, okay, you know, I can, rugby's gonna be full time and I really wanna make the Olympic team. Um, Yeah, run us a little bit through that.
1: Yeah, I think, so anyone who joins this program has the goal in mind of going to the Olympics it's not like you know everything that they achieve along the way is is a great achievement but the Olympics are like the top goal so unfortunately I didn't make the team uh for the 2016 <clears throat> Olympics I wasn't like a non-traveling reserve but I knew I knew I was like I had the time like I it wasn't like, oh, I didn't make this Olympics. I'm gonna quit. It was like I haven't peaked yet. I haven't had my best performance. It, I I understood at that point I was not selected for the Olympics because I was not top twelve, and that was just the reality. So, but when I when I moved out here, I knew that it was to go to the Olympics, mm-hmm. and I and that became a goal of mine. Growing up, I I know a lot of people share these stories of growing up watching the Olympics on TV and thinking, I want to do that one day. I didn't have that. I grew up playing Barbies and was outside playing with sticks and just getting beat up by my siblings and stuff. And I didn't watch sports. I didn't play sports growing up. So I can't relate at that level. But I I knew growing up, like I knew in grade nine that I wanted to play at a national level. And then I found out about sevens. I found out that rugby sevens was going to be in the Olympics. Um, so I thought, well, I want to pursue rugby at the best level I possibly can. And that's the Olympics. So it kind of just happened like it's meant to be.
0: And it's it's so, it's so bizarre, you know, from grade nine to going on a trip that you just want to go travel to, you know, yeah. not necessarily being... Um, you know, a sporty kind of girl originally and to getting involved in this is just, I love here. these are like the stories I love, I love to hear. hear. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's just too funny. Um, but moving along with regards, I always say uh, a, um, a team, um, you know, you have a team and then you have sports are individual sports, right? And I always say being on a team is very unique because, um, you know, you have your own goals, personal goals, but then you have a team goal Mm -hmm. and kind of what you're kind of touching on is, um, people, people, hopefully they'll understand is, you know, you have to have those personal goals because like you said, you have to be the top 13 or the top 12. You're trying to, you know, bump someone out. Yeah. But at the same time, you're collectively, you have your team goals and girls you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe talk or, if you can explain or uh, give some more insights with regards to how you uh, set your goals uh, mm-hmm. for yourself and then how do you help your team align with the team goals
1: yeah for for me like goal setting it's i'm, I'm pretty relaxed about those things and, and some might see that as a negative thing that i i do my best to show up to training and I trust that all of my coaches who are making the plans, who are creating, you know, the skills, they're, they're making me lift weights. I trust that they are going to do the best planning and I'm going to put 100% of my effort into doing that, whether it be speed, um, weight, skills, <clears throat> whatever it is, I show up and that my goal is to do the work. I trust their science and research, that that's gonna get me to be the best that I can be. If that does that make sense at all? Like
0: that, yeah, that makes sense, and um, it's cool you say that because you, you you've made some good points uh, and some things that have gone brought up in some of my earlier podcasts with regards to trusting the process, mm-hmm. uh, especially as an Olympian, you have four years until you you qualify or you, mm-hmm. you're at the Olympic games. Mm-hmm. So trust in the process, I think is just a huge point. I'm glad you brought it up because if you get too far ahead of yourself, you know, you're going to miss that big gap in between. And um, our philosophy kind of the auto on the auto mindset is, you know, be in the present moment, enjoy the journey. And I think, you know, um, uh, trusting the, your coaches in the process that they're going to get you there, that's where you're going to find I'm sure you can kind of test this, you know, the love, the passion and all the fun stuff that goes into the big day, um, the Olympics or, and, or any of your big, uh, big matches. So it's such a great point, And I'm glad you kind of brought it up because it's been coming up quite a bit in some yeah. of the other podcasts with some of the other athletes um, as well. Um, and then so I want to move in just because we're talking so much about team um, to talk about um, culture and environment mm-hmm. and what that looks for, like, what that looks like for your team and, you know, um, buying into a culture and, um, you know, some people just don't fit and it sadly doesn't work out, but you gotta, you know, find a way to make it work. So kind of give us, with your team, the culture and the environment that your coaches and the girls put together.
1: Yeah, I think that rugby is actually, like, I found with every time I've joined a rugby team, it's kind of the place where you do fit because we're all a little bit weird. Maybe I'm speaking on, like, I don't mean to speak on behalf of everyone, but like if I walk into the gym, I see my team. I'm like, we are all so different, but we all have this love for rugby and we all want to show up and like kick ass and take names together. So at the end of the day, we might, we might leave and go do our own thing you know, some people go to school, some people go home, some people go watch Netflix, or, you know, go hike, or walk their dog, or whatever, but when we're all there, we all get along, and we all, we're all so different, that, like, rugby is our passion, and we all feel like we belong there, and we do have our tight, you know, friendship groups um, in the team, and that naturally happens with any team, but, like, going on tours is fun and like getting together and playing games and like not just rugby games but games together and we all have a good laugh and we all get on really really well that's our culture it's a, a pretty welcoming culture uh, for such a such an intense aggressive you know game
0: mm-hmm. we're
1: actually very um friendly and you know inviting so that's why okay. I love it and social we're very very social even at tour- in tournaments like we go to tournaments we play these games we kick the crap out of each other and then after the game we're shaking hands and we can't wait to you know catch up with you know these people who are the enemy for 14 minutes but we can't wait to catch up with them after the tournament's done and have drinks and you know food and meet up for the banquet or whatever and we're catching up with each other whether it's you know you know team usa or new zealand or australia we all catch up with each other it's a i think the saying was it's a hooligan sport played by gentlemen or something
0: that's what i was just gonna say like um you know most of us watching we see the you know the barbarics Mm -hmm. kind of atmosphere of it but once it's all sent down you know you guys are girls even like being females too right it's a little bit of different um a lens uh, with regards to how people view you guys being mm-hmm. so, they would say, so manly, but you know, yeah. once the uniform comes off, you guys are, you know, um, like you said, you have your own personalities and yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: team vibes there, so um, I think that's a huge, you see that quite a bit um, if you don't get the other side um,
1: yeah.
0: of the field, so to speak. Um, so uh, you had a you had a story you mentioned to me, or I asked you a question with regards to, you know, what was kind of your breakout moment or your breakout mm-hmm. tournament? And I think you had a, a tournament where you just did really well. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, so for a long time, and like, this was actually after the Olympics. So, you know, I was struggling to, I was performing so well in training. And I was like, if I'm doing so well in training, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm executing everything, but I didn't have the confidence to do it in a World Series match. And I don't know what it was. I think it was a combination of fear of making a mistake and fearing fear of like letting down my teammates and like being in front of a crowd, being recorded, so much pressure. And I just I wasn't executing. And my my spot on the team was on the line. And then we got another coach come in. His name's Matt Barr, he's a strength and conditioning coach. And as well as our assistant coach, Morgan Williams, they came in and they just, they worked with me and, and I just trusted them. I trusted everything that Matt Barr told me to do in the gym. I would be like, I don't think I can lift that heavy. And he'd like, I will shake your hand right now. And I'm telling you, we're going to work on this and you're going to do it. And then I would do it. And I'd be like, oh my God, like he believed in me. Mm-hmm. And then um, we had a tournament in Vegas. It, what a wild place to play rugby, by the way. It's crazy. <laughs> And I did not make the top team, but my coaches said to me, Julia, we're going to ask you to be the captain of the Maple Leafs team. And I thought like, I could take this as a huge diss. I could be pissed about it. I could say, why would you, why would you knock me down a level? Why would you put me on that team? But I was like, no, like you have to take this as an opportunity to lead and, and, be everything that you hope to see in your teammates when you're in that, in that world series stage, when you're nervous, when you're scared to make mistakes. So I just did my best to, to, first of all, I was faking it till I was making it. I was like, I'm confident. Does my young teammate need help with anything? Sure. I'll help you. Like, you know, just let your teammates know that they can trust you. And I just went out and I, freaking performed so well and this was Maple Leafs tournament so it was an invitational tournament so it didn't mean anything for Team Canada in in terms of like with their rankings it was an opportunity for me to to jump in the rankings and I I just felt like at that point in my life, like I was, I felt so fit. I felt so fast. It was the fastest and the fittest I'd ever been. I felt so strong. I felt like I had game sense. I felt like I had vision and I just took every good opportunity that like every time something good happened on the field, I wanted to ride that wave and just let it keep encouraging me in my performance and, and, and like, instill confidence in myself. And when something bad happened, I was like, you know what? doesn't even matter. I have to be the best I can be for my teammates right now. So I performed really, really well. And then a couple months later, we had a tournament in Kitakyushu in Japan. And I went out and I just had a like one great game after another and like it seemed like every ball bounced my way. I made every tackle and like my passes were on point. And I could have thought like, did this just kind of was I just lucky? Like no. I put in the freaking work Mm -hmm. and I trusted the process. I trusted my coaches. And that was my like breakthrough performance. I was nominated for the dream team. So if you don't know what that is Basically, at the end of a tournament, they pick seven, like, amazing players from the tournament, and they kind of create this dream team, and it was the first time I'd ever made the dream team, and I just had a, like, I just had a really great weekend, really great tournament, and I thought, like, I got to keep, I got to keep riding this wave. So, I mean, I've had bad games, you know, since, and injuries, and, you know, other things pop up, but, like, to know that I've had a taste of it, and I know what it's like, is huge for me so i try to you know do that with every tournament
0: so what i kind of uh, grasp here is what we call getting to like that flow state you know Mm -hmm. um being in the zone uh, and i love the analogy of riding the wave um which is so is very to ride. you want as an athlete you want to ride that wave as long as possible because that's just keep is propelling you propelling you propelling you um, but I liked what you said, because I've, it's come up before in some of my conversations, uh, use the expression, fake it till you make it. And it's cool because you said before, you know, if you had your questions, you, you know, you were you had some fear of, you know, letting your teammates down. Can I perform in this? And those are all we call those fear stresses, which play uh, hugely on you know our emotions and our energies when we go out there. But it's cool to hear you say, you know, fake it to your make fake it to your making. And basically what I'm kind of grasping from that is you just pushed everything aside and said, you know what, hell with that. I'm just gonna go out there, you know, be the teammate that this person needs me to be, needs me, needs, needs me to be, and um, you know, rely on, you know, the skills you have and just mm-hmm. and just do it. And I think um it's an analogy that comes up all the time, fake it to your making, but I actually love it because it's just forgetting everything else doing Mm -hmm. what you got to do and uh sure enough it looked like that kind of propelled you to the next level um seems like in your career Mm -hmm. uh and in sports uh like you kind of touched on two (laughs) things confidence is huge and pressure right Mm -hmm. and performing at those elite levels uh, i can only imagine the pressure and the confidence you need um so i'll kind of go into a i'll ask you a question i had here with regards to you know a little bit of the pressure that's put on you as an individual and as a team when you go to those international tournaments uh, how you guys prepare mentally physically and all that stuff to perform your best on uh, those days
1: yeah we very you know grateful we have access to a sports psychologist and uh, we do have team meetings with our sports psychologists to work on things like confidence and distractions and controllables and uncontrollables um gosh it's it's like we talk about it so much it's like a broken record if I'm completely honest and then if we choose to have individual meetings with her I've had individual meetings with her before to focus on the the one-on-one the personal things that I'm struggling with not just a team thing but personal things so we have access to uh, sports psych and then we also have a range of experience on the team too so people who have been doing this for years and now I'm one of those people who have been doing this for years and I encourage the newer girls to ask me for help if they need anything. Um, so now it's just another, another tournament to me. And there is always a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of, uh, you know, you, you get to the tunnel and you're standing beside this team that you're about to go, you know, beat up and get beat <laughs> up and oftentimes the crowd's huge and your heart is racing and you're like sweating and you're like nervous anxious but it's weird when we get out to the pitch we set up we're ready to go when the whistle blows for me when the whistle blows it's like game time so crowd doesn't matter um yeah it's freaking hot out you're dying, <laughs> you're sweating you're breathing heavily but something inside me is able to focus on, you know, task at hand for the most part until I'm exhausted and like, you know, hands on knees bending over um, or getting tackled to the ground. But I have found a way of doing that and like being really nervous, but the whistle blows and it's next seven minutes, game time. Get a two minute break. We come together as a team. We breathe, we take three breaths as a team. We have our ice towels, water. Coach gives us a few points to work on, has a few things to say. Whistle blows again, let's go, seven more minutes. And then afterward, we collect as a team again, talk about the game, what's next.
0: So. So, um, Because rugby, it's such a fast sport, right? Yeah. Um, maybe share with us some tools or strategies that you use when you're in a game situation where maybe things aren't going well, you have to recover on the spot. Like you said, if you get tackled, you know, to get back up until, you know, you know, you can't be too hard on yourself because you Mm got to go make the next play. So what are some maybe tools and strategies you use to, you know, just, you know, flip that switch, you know, let's get back at it, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I used to be so worried that like after a mistake, After a mistake, I was putting so much of my energy and thoughts into that mistake and worrying about what my teammates were thinking and feeling, worrying about what the coach was saying on the sideline, worry about everyone else watching me, And and then I'd waste all that energy on that instead of just forget about it, put your energy into the next step and what you can do to help your team because I've also been in the position where my teammates made a mistake. And I've had to haul ass to recover for her. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it's not anger. It's not, I'm pissed that she messed up. It's, we're a team, seven of us, we all have to work. And people make mistakes, but guess what? I got your back and you got my back. And it's just pretty much known that we all have each other's back. When we make a mistake, like I make mistakes all the time. If I knock on the ball, the whistle's blown. We have a moment. I collect my breath. I usually find a teammate to make eye contact with. And it's just a nod. And it's like, you're good. We're good. Don't yeah. worry about it. Let's go. Like, it's just a second to collect yourself. And then if that's something you consistently miss, like mess up or make a mistake, if that's your weaker area, then that's something you deal with after the tournament's done. And that's when you can kind of incorporate goal setting with your coaches and talk about your weaker areas and what you can do. And if it's a specific goal then you want to do 10 passes a day or tackles, whatever, that's when you kind of, you know, can put more energy into that thought. But in a game, yeah. Like I said, it's a such a quick game that you don't have time to dwell on anything and you know, the opponent's not dwelling on it. So why should you, you know what I mean? Like,
0: or they're feeding off it. If you are dwelling on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, You can read, I love actually reading the opponent's, uh, body language because i'm like you're tired <laughs> if you know you see a weak link so you also don't want to give it away mm-hmm. to your opponent that you're you know mad or upset or frustrated and i, I, like I take a lot of pride in having the ability to be resilient and like i get tossed around all the time but i'm not gonna let the opponent know that that hurt you know what i mean
0: yeah so fake it till I like, um, like, with sports, it's almost, like, telepathically, you know, like, like you said, you just give that head nod, and it's like, okay, like, I got, I got you, I yeah. got this, you can do, like, almost like, words don't have to be exchanged, it's just a, like you said, a head nod or a little tap on the shoulder or whatever, um, and I mean, it's chemistry, and it's, you know, like I said, going into flow state as an individual and as a team and gelling together at the right time and the right place, yeah. but, like, like you said, it's so fast out there, and it's so cool to Here, um, these little things that just happen and not a word is spoken, but you just know.
1: And it comes with experience as well. And it comes with time. And, like, you mess up. Like, no one's ever come out, you know, starting their career and had the perfect game. Like, you look up to everyone who's amazing. They've made mistakes. And, like, everyone has the opportunity to be amazing. And it doesn't happen without failure. So,
0: And I think that truly, I think that's the beauty of a team sport. You've got those people to lean on and stuff. I know individual sports, you do have that, but not quite with a team of, you know, seven, 15 other individuals. So I think that's a special thing. I can Mm -hmm. uh, for sure relate to that uh, when you talk about it. Um, So yeah, that's that's awesome. I love hearing that because like you said, as as someone watching, you don't get to, you don't necessarily catch those little things, right? Mm -hmm. In in the Mm -hmm. midst of the game when those Mm -hmm. things happen. But, you know, playing at those high-level games, high pressure, and now being a future Olympian, you know, tell me what it means to, you know, put on the uh, Canadian jersey. Like, that's just a huge, you know, accomplishment whenever you can represent your own country.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, whenever I put on the Canadian jersey, I kind of look at, like, why I get to do the op- why I have this opportunity now. And I, and I do it for my nation, but I also do it for my family. And I'm going to be emotional because... Like my parents, like I didn't play sports growing up because my parents didn't play sports and they didn't know that life because they didn't have those opportunities. And they took a look at their upbringing and they said, we want something better for our kids. So my sister, my brother and I, we have these opportunities because of them and I want to achieve the best and I want to be the best for them. If that, like, if that makes sense. So when I put on the jersey, I'm doing it for Canada. I'm doing it for my teammates, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it for mom and dad. Yeah. And That's they're funny. so badass. Like I
0: <laughs> it's funny you say that because my last week uh, my social media post was all about team. And you know, your team, you have, you know, your 12, 13, 20 girls, you have your coaches, mm-hmm. but you know, your family is a part of your team as well. And to have their love and support, um, you know. I'm sure it Just you can obviously tell it drives you to play at the next level, but, you know, i said this week, everyone plays a small piece of the puzzle, but everyone coming together, you know, helps you achieve, uh, you know, the goal you kind of have uh, mm-hmm. at hand. So um, family is a huge, a huge topic. And I always go back to the balance board. Relationships is huge. Um, you know, we're obviously it's eat, sleep and train, but you can't forget about, you know, a social life and you know mm-hmm. calling your mom and dad just for some advice and tips uh, like that so that goes uh, a long way as I can see you getting a little bit emotional here um, yeah. for people listening but it it means a lot I can see that and it's a huge mm-hmm. part of of life in general right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so obviously with this COVID stuff things have kind of shifted a little bit mm-hmm. um so maybe just explain to um, explain to us with regards to yourself and your team, how you guys are uh, maybe, you know, restructuring things with regards to how you're going to tackle the next little bit and where your mindset is at and um, how the training's going and um, how you guys are doing stuff with such a unique time right now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, a weird time right now. And when it first kind of happened, we were all like, we all, I think we all thought it was going to be over in a couple weeks. So we were all like at home doing very minimum what we could do in our own homes. Uh, When it was decided that, you know, things were going to be shut down for months, uh, we were very lucky to be able to borrow some gym equipment from the Rugby Canada gym. So up until yesterday, I actually had all of the weights in my gym and I was able to do uh, most of the lifting. I live down the street from a track and a field. So I'm really, the more I talk about this, the more I realize how lucky I really am that I do have access to everything. And we also have coaches who are sending us programs. They're setting up Zoom meetings so that they can watch us and help us, assist us with anything. We're doing Zoom team meetings to watch old games and work on strategy. We're trying to create this new normal that is as close to you know, an in season as possible. Um, because everything's going so well with this pandemic in Victoria, we're doing really, really well. We're actually starting to open up the gym again, uh, I believe next week, and we're going to have small groups come in. So we're going to have small groups go in and we're able to use all of the equipment. Um, and, I have a couple teammates that I train with, so I'm able to do some, you know, on-field passing, kicking and stuff with them. Um, Right before this COVID started, I actually got a concussion in Australia. So when I found out that, so we were supposed to have a tournament in Hong Kong in March. And when I found out that was canceled, I thought, thank goodness, because I'm concussed. And like, I could use a break. (laughs) Um, you know, how selfish of me to say that, but, um, and then I found out, okay, the rest of the season's canceled and I thought, oh no, like this is not what I was hoping for. But if I'm being completely honest and I don't, I don't mean to be like cliche about it, but like, I just have to use this opportunity to better myself. And we all, I think we can all agree. The brain is pretty important. So I've had three concussions, so I'm taking it pretty seriously, and I've been able to rest and relax and and not feel this rush to get back into it and get back into tackling and stuff. And I also had other little injuries, my wrist and foot, you know, everything. So that's actually a really nice break for me, uh, as well as many other teammates, I'm sure. Um, so we are we are using this opportunity to continue as much training as possible, but also take advantage of the opportunity to heal and recover. Um Yeah, and it's pretty awesome. I kind of feel like this is a taste of retirement. Um, I've also. (laughs) One more
0: year, one more year.
1: Oh, I'm planning for four more years.
0: There Um, you go.
1: (laughs) Twice, that's my goal. And I've been trying other ways to stay active, like hiking. Um, hiking around Victoria, um, because I never did that. I never had the energy and I live in such a beautiful place. So that's been part of my new normal biking. I got a bike and I've been biking around and doing things that people in Victoria do. So that's been pretty awesome. And like I said, we're, we're going to get back into the gym and, um, you know, small groups and try to create a even closer to the in-season environment. Mm-hmm.
0: Almost like a blessing in disguise, like you said. Yeah, the mind, the body, and like kind of the soul. You know, you guys are so hard on your bodies, but you know, recover the mind. Like you said, even having a concussion is so um, is so big these days to recover and just to reset, refocus, and reflect too is huge, right? Yeah, Um, which I'm sure you guys are are doing. So it's exciting that you guys have you know your coaches have put together a little plan for you. But even more exciting that you now know you're getting closer to getting into the gym and hopefully some the season will hopefully pick up uh, sooner than later for you ladies to uh, get going and uh, kicking some ass there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited for... I, I mean, who knows when we're going to be able to travel again and, you know, compete internationally. But, um, but things are looking good for us right now and it's an opportunity to... Um, develop individually and grow so taking it as I can
0: 100% so just to ask all my um, uh, guests who come on my show just some advice you'd give someone who's looking to make their way up um, you know to this elite level whether it's uh, the olympics or professional as well as what's some advice someone is giving you throughout your career that has kind of really stuck with you
1: yeah, I think like if you're if you're like pursuing rugby specifically, I would you know uh, do a little research about what's available in your town um, and maybe at your school and and get involved that way and um, ask questions and uh, do do a good job of seeing who will be supportive and positive in your life. and you know maybe eliminate the people that are negative and not going to help you be the best you and uh, advice, uh, fake it till you make it. That's a big one. (laughs) Um, And not just when you're not just when you're competing, like I say, fake it till you make it in that, like, there are days where I wake up and I don't want to go to training. And I, you know, maybe had something, you know, uh, personal happen, in my life and I'm feeling really emotional or tired or whatever. But when I get out of my car, that parking lot, I am like so happy to be there, whether I really genuinely am or not. And I never leave training regretting that I showed up. I always have this fear that if I stay home because I'm having a bad day, I'm missing an opportunity to become better. So I would also say take every opportunity you can to become better. Um, One thing I tell myself is just show up because that's the first step, and then everything falls into place there. Um, Earn it. If you are a really, really good rugby player in high school, and you're the best on your high school team, understand that everyone who's at the national level was also the best in their high school. So when you're funneling your way to the top level, earn it. Don't think that you've shown up and you're the best you have to work hard and continue to work hard because even if you are the best everyone's chasing after you so
0: (laughs) that's awesome 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 advice for especially young people who are uh listening here and i mean um that kind of it's kind of nice you said some of those some great advice there because it kind of wraps it up here just from almost starting at the beginning where you know like you said kind of taking chances whether you know, it's going on that grade nine trip, you know, you took that chance, although you didn't necessarily know rugby, but you want to go travel like, you know, take those chances kind of follow your heart, um, I think is huge. And I love your advice there. Earn it. Uh, it's very simple, but it's very direct. Um, and I think I'll be using that one as one of my anchors as I move um, through uh, my career. So I appreciate that. I'll take that one in as well. So, Julian, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to uh, talk with us and sharing some of your um, insights in the game, uh, your mindset, goal setting, um, and the world of Rugby Sevens. We wish you all the best of luck um, in the 2021
1: Olympics. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun, and I hope everyone who listens enjoyed this